do you want a born again marriage? That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm so glad you joined us. Usually I take this time to highlight a romance novel because I love romance. Today is Valentine's Day, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to bring on my good friends, Rich and Linda Nathan, who have been married now for 60 years this year. And I want them to share their experience about a born again marriage. You may not understand what that means, but you're going to find out by the end of this episode. Right now, love and romance are seen as superficial. They don't really exist. It's all about pursuing pleasure. But God has called us when we get married to become one flesh. You can't become one flesh just on the physical, but the emotional, the mental, and everything else in between. What can Rich and Linda share with us about being born again in marriage? We'll tell you about that in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff to see what you can do. And as always, we cover your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Rich and Linda Nathan. Rich and Linda, how you doing today? Well, it's hi Parker. It's, it's been on a real adventure. Yes, and, yes, and it certainly has some joy connected to it. Yes, so praise God. I'm so glad that you are going to be sharing with us your experience, particularly since you guys have been married for 60 years. Back in the day, being married 60 years would be on the norm. Nowadays, being married a year is a victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I would love for you just to share what 60 years of marriage have taught you in a general sense, but we really want to hone in on what a born-again marriage is. So real quickly for our listeners, just give us a brief synopsis of who you guys are. Well, the brief version is we spent 50, our first 15 years together in being unsaved pagans in San Francisco counterculture of 60s and 70s. We had no regard for Christian morality. We met each other and began to live together. We ended up getting married because we were taking a freighter to Europe and we wanted to share the same stateroom. So in those days, it mattered and they wouldn't let you have a passport. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the passports had to show the same name. 
So we got married in the middle of going to Cal Berkeley in the 60s and took an old freighter to Europe. So for 15 years, we, we were married. We stayed together and were faithful, as I recall. Although, as they say, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. But it was not a, a, a union of love. It was, I don't know, we were like two lost souls, two anarchists just traveling together that just seemed like we fit together. And uh, I never really preferred any other man to him. And I'd had some really bad experiences with men prior to meeting Richard. So I was uh, pretty jaded and pretty hardened. And then after we, well, we got saved after 15 years. And the short version of that is that I, as I've shared on other broadcasts here with Parker, I got cancer. I couldn't have babies for that 15 years we were married, never got pregnant. I had one miscarriage. It was very painful. Then I was scheduled for a hysterectomy, and I was 35, and I thought my life as a female was over. And then the Lord healed me and gave me a baby. And at the same time Richard got saved, we were in our 30s by then, and we truly had a, not only were we born again uh, individually, uh, our marriage, God gave us a born-again marriage. He began to teach us what his marriage is all about. Uh, and he's totally transformed us. And it's by his grace alone that we have had all these years together. It's just, I, mean, I think about it, it's just overwhelming to think what he's given us. And um, I can't say I would always appreciated it or anything, but it's been a long, slow learning the scripture, understanding God's ways, realizing what he saved us out of, horrible way our society is going and Everybody seems to sleep with everybody these days. They don't understand the terribleness of what that does to your your soul. Should let Richard do some talking here. What would you? Yeah. Well, I would say you know, in in the the big picture view, is that we were pagans, and as Linda said, uh, there's even a, a name that's going around for those who used to be called New Agers. They're now called neo, meaning new, pagans, neo-pagans, mm -hmm. and that we were in neo-paganism mm -hmm. in a very pagan environment in San Francisco where normal marriage was just looked upon as this really weird hang-up mm, yeah. and then something to get away from, something to ignore. And I partook of that. I mean, that's the way I was raised and, and taught by my parents. My mother, not so directly, but my father was just, he wasn't a nice man. And he was a terrible father and a terrible husband. And uh, I learned from him how to be that way myself. And that's the way I was. And like Linda was saying, we were kind of drawn together. But uh, it wasn't a question of, you know, oh, this is the woman I want to marry. It was like, well, somehow I'm with her. Somehow we and, fit together, uh, and that was <laughs> that was it. But and it, not, it and we wanted we wanted to be together. Well, our marriage did not make sense to me till I learned that God was good, and uh, along with learning that God existed and that God was good, was this revelation that I loved my wife. And the thing is, I didn't even believe in love at her. A number of years after meeting Linda, 
and then as after we were born again, and I believe God did that to our marriage, gave us a born again marriage, I started to learn what a blessing Christian marriage is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's really wonderful. It doesn't mean there weren't rocky places. There were really a lot of rocky places because we were being sanctified, mm-hmm. made holy, holy, which actually really means set apart by God. You know, like they talked about the plates and cups and in the temple were set aside for the worship of God. They were holy. They were dedicated, taken out of common vessels and become became vessels of the Lord's worship. And I feel like marriage is like that. It's it's like a vessel of the Lord's worship in that it celebrates God's creation, his recreation, and his eternal life that we are given as a gift. And that the marriage that we go through on earth somehow, uh, in a way I don't understand, continues in heaven. Mm-hmm. But there there are no children born, as far as I can tell by the scripture, in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah. And yet there's this promise of everlasting love and everlasting life. And I feel like I learn slowly and sometimes painfully that it's really what I looked upon as kind of a drag and a, a limitation turns out to be a great blessing. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's almost a sacrament yeah. Uh, yeah. in the sense of it shows God's love. And then the, there's the fruit of children, if God so permits, but that's not the whole thing. This is, isn't just children. It's these two who were separate, who became, by God's grace, one new being, sinful, but forgiven. Hey, Amen. I love that you use those examples. I love that you used your personal experience to understand for both of you. Like you said, it wasn't that you were attracted to other people outside of your marriage, which lets you know you don't have to be Christian to be faithful. <laughs> marriage is a God thing. Like for Rich, you didn't really get what marriage was about. Why get married in the first place? Like you said, it's kind of a drag. <laughs> and then for Linda, you just wanted to get married because you wanted to travel. <laughs> so, Well, there was that. And also, I did feel somewhat guilty. I was raised very differently than Richard. I was raised up in West Seattle back in the 40s and 50s. Uh, when uh, morality was a given thing. And uh, so I really went in a totally different direction uh, than the way I was raised. But what happened to me, and I think I need to mention this, is I went away to college. I went to a Christian college, by the way, conservative Christian college. But uh, I ran in, I got involved in the psychology department and I began to get seduced by the Oh, this was like the late late fifties with uh, secular humanism and uh, uh, certain psychologies and counseling psychologies. Carl Rogers, different names I could name. Uh, they they would talk about biblical virtues as personal values and as individual uniqueness, uh, but they would reject the authority of the Bible. So and exalt self instead. So I really, I mean, I was kind of rootless. I wasn't a Christian. I was looking for meaning and looking for purpose in my life. 
And I began to believe that, uh, according to these psychologists that I was studying uh, and the teaching I was getting at the college, that inner experience was the real sure guide and it was all equal. And so there was this radical break in the field of psychology that I went, later went on, got a degree in, that between biblical authority and therapy, so-called therapy, and which now it's, it's become the bridge to the, the whole New Age movement is a lot of what passes for therapy. So anyway, I got caught up in all that. And so by the end of even my first year, I was ripe and ready for the 60s. And I had this attitude that you loved everybody and allowed everything, and that was love, and and you don't discriminate against anybody's experience. I was early woke, you might call it. Anyway, um, so I was ripe for casting aside um, traditional values and traditional marriage and so forth, and thought that I was, you know, being being set free. It took me a long. Plus, I'd had some really bad experiences with some with men. Short version is that I just was trying to find myself and somehow Richard and I fit together and, and you know, it was a, a hard crucible, but God brought us through. And um, that's all I can say is I'm so grateful to the Lord. There is a, a peace and a grace that comes from committing to the Lord and the scripture that is infinitely deeper and richer than anything I ever, ever found in any other place. You were talking about how these new psychologies were starting to elevate the self. And we see the effects of that today. When it comes to marriage, people say, if you're not happy, then it's a good thing for you to end that relationship. Rich, you made the point of saying that marriage is almost like a sacrament. And I know you're not saying it quite that way, but that's a really good illustration. So mm-hmm. how can we talk to people who are being told if you are no longer happy in your marriage? And I'm going to say bearing really severe abuse. I don't think you should be in an unsafe predicament. I don't think you should stay married to someone who's trying to kill you, whether it's physically or emotionally. I don't think you should stay in a marriage like that. Or beat you or be physically abusive to you. Exactly. So, but barring that type of toxicity, what is it about happiness that doesn't make a marriage? I think it's because it's, it's based on emotions and feelings and experiences rather than a real commitment to the Lord and to his word and having the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you. And a commitment, I mean, it can be really hard work. I mean, sometimes you just grit your teeth and pray. And, and I mean, the devil attacks us too, of course. You know, one of the things I've found over the years is I've had a number of friends who've had a lot of marriage problems and have found that the churches just don't really offer much help at all. There's like almost an assumption that you're going to get into a singles group if you're having trouble with your husband, you know, or your wife, uh, that you you just go join a singles group. And the pastors um, say there's just kind of an assumption of divorce. And I think you need to be equipped as a Christian against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and be prepared to stand. And sometimes it requires prayer and fasting. It requires sacrifice. And that's not something our our, our, our culture is likes to talk about these days at all, is personal sacrifice. So I've learned the hard way that inner experience is a being happy. I mean, what does that mean? We can have passing good moments, you know, but that's not going to please the Lord. 
you put it on the nail, I think, when you say about happiness, because it is temporal. Happiness usually is in a fluid state. Like right now, I'm happy. I'm happy because I'm talking to you guys. I love when we have our discussions. But in five minutes, I can be upset because, oh, I stubbed my toenail. I'm not happy anymore. Let's end the marriage. <laughs> and so, right, right, right. You know, so there is that aspect of it. We are no longer our own authority. The mm-hmm. Lord is our authority, and that's what we follow, uh, regardless of how happy or unhappy we are. You know, I mean, I'm just talking like emotions, um, not if you're being abused or something, when I know some situations like that. Fortunately, we have not had that problem, and I thank God for that. We don't belong to ourselves. We've been purchased with a price, and the price is Christ's death on the cross. And that's something we don't throw away. Before the Lord came into your marriage... You were married for 15 years. But what were some things that had to die in your born-again marriage so you can have a more fulfilling marriage? I think that's the right way of saying it. It wasn't like we opened the door to the Lord. At least I didn't, you know, uh, open the door to the Lord. Uh, I was just kind of chugging along, trying to, you know, get a college degree so I could get a good job or you know, and I just enjoy life, right? Well, and mm-hmm. and you know, I I have to say, I just really put Linda second. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. success I would say that. was first, and Linda was second, mm-hmm. and God wasn't even in the mix. You know, but the Lord of His own amazing grace took this divine initiative came into our marriage, like somebody says, God is a gentleman, it'll never force you. Well, that's not, he may be a gentleman, but he will force what will happen. And he sometimes does it through suffering. Sometimes he does it by miracles, you know. Like he did with us. You know, wonder of wonder, miracles, miracles, you know, that God is a miraculous God, and from beginning to end, the the universe is here because of an incredible miracle that God spoke, and it was. And then somehow, for a reason I can't understand, it didn't certainly wasn't what we were doing or or saying or, but it was God stepped in and did these miracles, like healing Linda of cancer and giving know. me a baby. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, in, a, in an old Haight-Ashbury term, it blew my mind. And there was another way in which God stepped in. And like, I, I have to confess, at a certain point, I was really, became a hunter, hunting after a way to fulfill my lusts. And I was in this environment where that was really easy in, in San Francisco was encouraged. And, uh, you know, but somehow when I started to hunt, it was like there was this hand that every time I got close to the prey, which was another woman besides Linda, it was like this hand was there. It was really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I had, I, I that, I had this image, you know, passed down to me from my father of being, you know, the Don Juan, you know, and somehow the, the Lord kept doing worked. these things, miraculous things, really, that just kept me 
you know. Uh, now, are you talking before you were saved? No, or this after? is before you I were saved. saved. That's what I thought. Yeah. No, I after I got saved, I still had temptation and all, but I I sort of recognized the hand then. <laughs> I didn't recognize the hand that was stopping me from going ahead and fulfilling foolishness, which would have destroyed the thing that was the most valuable was uh, our marriage, you know? And uh, I mean, it just... Talk about grace. Yeah, it was grace, grace and it was miraculous grace. And I can't say, well, you know, do these things and this will happen because it's the Lord's will, you know, uh, the Lord's intentions that he will bring about, you know, because he is sovereign. He is the king. He's the king of the universe. And he created marriage, you know. Of course, he doesn't deal with everybody the same. Yeah, I would say seek the Lord the in your marriage. Seek him until you find an answer of how he wants you to uh, handle your situation. If you're in a, a situation where it's dangerous physically, get to a place of safety. But don't give up on your marriage and on that spouse. Keep praying for them. I mean, yeah. I just see so many people just walk away because, oh, it's gotten difficult or, or he yelled at me and he's got abusive language or something. Uh, there are demonic spirits at work that yeah, need to oh, be resisted and, and bound. And our marriage cast out. We had a lot of going through that, but it was the grace of God. I mean, it's all Jesus Christ. I just, I don't know how else to say it, but don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't let some pastor tell you, okay, well, go join the singles group now. Uh, and I've heard that yeah. happen so many or times. Get over it. Or get over it. Yeah, go get over it somehow. How do you get over it? I think you guys, too, personify something that marriage is a journey. It is something you take together. You're on this path together. And the path is sometimes rocky. There are pitfalls. There are valleys, high points. And the fact that you, dragons, attacks, you're going to go and have low points. I remember a woman at my church said, there are sometimes when you're married, that you are going to have maybe a couple of years of down. Mm-hmm. You're going to have seasons of that, but you mm-hmm. keep pushing on. And so she and her husband, they're celebrating 47 years of being married. And I was talking to her. You could just see the closeness between them. They're a very quiet couple, though, whereas mm-hmm. you guys are pretty much, you know, boom, boom, boom. They're a quiet <laughs> couple, very self-contained, very yeah. much that And it's interesting because together they created a marriage that works with them, meaning Uh that they're like the quiet couple. They have a couple of kids, quiet, but very inner strength where you have some couples who are very flamboyant and very out there and going. But it doesn't matter because the two become one. And it makes me want to go to scripture and talk about a couple of these verses that are very familiar to people. And I want to just get your thoughts on them. We're getting close to the end of our show today, but I don't want to leave out scripture. Nowadays, people want to leave out scripture. We don't do that on right stuff. So in Genesis 2, and I'm reading from KJV, it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. As a couple who's been married for 60 years, what truths do you see defined in these two verses? It's basic Christianity, you know, that 
and that uh, and that the flesh it really it it means our being. You know, doesn't just mean our bodies; it means our being, and that God wanted there to be marriage between a man and a woman, and that he he saw that it was good. You know, and he declared it to be good. It's good by definition that God called it good. And I began, it took a lot, me a long time before I recognized that goodness there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, and, when you're in the middle and, of the uh, storm, it's hard there, to see. There's that song, uh, an old 60s song, that the refrain is, our love grows sweeter through the years. As the years go by. Yeah. Sweeter and sweeter as the years go by. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's another one, yeah. Oh. But uh, it's, it's, it's really worth it, I would say. It's really worth it to go the Lord's way uh, about everything in our lives. Yeah. And in this situation we're in now with wokeness and transgender and, and celebration of pedophilia and all this terrible stuff that is destroying, wounding and destroying people, and especially children, it is so good to turn to the Lord and the Lord's way and the way the Lord thinks of things. Mm -hmm. I remember what a shock it was to me in a really good way. It was so strengthening. I had like a, I was reading, I think something by John MacArthur one day about women in the Bible or something. And he was making the point about the headship of the male. Now, that was not something that came uh, normally to me. My mother was a, a real early feminist and used to say, well, men had all the advantages, you know, and she was rather rebellious for a housewife. But anyway, um, so I got taught those things. But but I, I, I suddenly realized I saw the spiritual protection that was there for me that I had lived years without. I'd, I'd, I'd never had that kind of spiritual. I must have had the grace of God in my life just protecting me somehow from all my foolishness and rebellion. But it was like God just opened my eyes to realize that he had made a special provision in this marriage for me. And fortunately, I have a husband who understands the kind of background I've had in rebellion. And we love each other and and can even laugh at these things, you know, now and joke about them and write about them and make, point them out as, as terrible things. But anyway, I thank God that he has helped me along the way with revelation through the scripture uh, and understanding. Um, well, and miracles. And had miracles. Yeah, just the miracles for them. Having a, a child and and all those things. Because um, I did not want to get married from what I saw of marriage in my childhood and growing up. But, hey, the Lord can take any of us, and, and uh, it's, hailing. it's hailing outside. Anyway, he can, he can do wonderful miracles. I say, do not give up uh, on your marriage. It is worth it uh, to battle through. And remember, you're serving God. You may have a husband that, you know, you don't know how to reach, or a wife you don't know how to reach, but Jesus knows how. He's the one that called us together in the first place. He knows how to. How to bind up the wounds, how to strengthen the love, how to do all the good things. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Rich and Linda. Thank you so much for being with me on this edition of Right Stuff. It's Valentine's Day, but we want to really give marriage its due. It's a beautiful thing because God created it. 
and he uses it to show his love for us. That is both intimate, physical, spiritual, emotional, and it really binds us together where the two shall become one. So Rich and Linda, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank, thank you, you for Parker. having us. Yeah, thank, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you so much, Rich and Linda. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Well, it's it's really uh, a wonderful experience and, uh, and a lot of fun, too. Yeah, right. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.